That was probably my first race, racing against like the Italians and the French. So it got it just sort of sort of wet me up with a bit more for that. Yeah. And on the way, it was actually because I was running for Northern Ireland. There was a team from Ireland over as well, and they were in the same boat back. And a couple of the team members had said to me to give the Irish World Championship trial a go. So I got the information off them, and I didn't say just went down, done the trial, never told anyone because. I didn't know how it was going to turn out, but I went and done the trial, which was in Chrome Wood, down in Wicklow, and it was just uphill only, straight to the top of Jace, something like four miles, and I got up and I won it. And when I realised here I've been called up for Ireland here, I was a bit of a shock to the system. Like I didn't expect it, don't think many expected it, to be fair, but... You must have been buzzing after that. I was buzzing because when I realised I was going to Bulgaria, <laughs> and I was thinking, I'm going to Bulgaria here to represent Ireland in a world championship. It's kind of a bit surreal, but got my head down. Because how long have you been sort of turned around then? It's like two, three years. Is it? No, 2016, 2015. I was only up there on maybe four or five months Jeez. at that stage. That, my friend, is Zach Hanna. And this is the Inspirational Runners Podcast. Welcome to podcast number 33. This week's episode features Zach Hanna from Dromore in County Down, a local club runner for Newcastle Athletic Club, who has only been running for around three years or so. Um, but at the age of 23, he has taken the Irish international mountain running scene by storm. From a very early age, there's been something special about Zach, um, starting off competing on horseback, then moving to road and cycle cross before, at the age of 20, making the transition into running. I called the Giro Gyro during this podcast, which I'm sure I'll get a bit of stick for, but that's just the way I roll. Before we start, I'd just like to thank our sponsors, Born to Run, for sponsoring the podcast. We couldn't do it without their help. And I'd also like to thank everybody who's downloaded the podcast so far. This is a great podcast. Hope you enjoy. Zach Hanna. Once you get the good advice, you'll stick to it. Yeah, that's it. Like, you know, that, you'll always go back to good advice as well, won't you? Oh, well, that is 100% true. You know, once you sort of have a bad experience, you don't want to go through it again. Mm. So you'll do your best to get away from it, you know. Well, it's coming up there. It's the first time I've seen the signs there for Sleeve Crib. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the Rocky Road. The last time i seen that, I was doing the gyro, you know, on the bike. Yeah. I'd never heard of Sleeve Crew before, it was funny. Well, have you not? And I didn't really look at the course. I thought all the climbing was up to Spelga, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Coming out of Belfast, round to Spelga. And we went back down into Newcastle and coming through Castle Well. And you're really feeling it coming back out at that stage. Down Mill Hill. You'd really hammered yeah. it, like, you know. Along and, um, road and yeah. All of a sudden, I come across this, like, mountain stage sign. And it was... Sleeve crib. Called a sleeve crib. I'd never heard of sleeve crib before. Yeah. And I was like, what is this? This can't be another mountain. I'm done. It was like my lady. Four miles ago at that stage. <laughs> it was my lady, like. And I looked up and there's people zigzagging up this road. I'm like, are you joking me? Yeah. So you could see the peak. <laughs> Brilliant. And you just got to the peak, but you weren't at the peak. No. It's a false peak. Yeah. And then I was like, Jesus. The whole way up that, well, the whole way up that mountain, see from Clanvargan, when you came out there, sort of that road, yeah. it's four mile. And it's just torture. 
I remember getting to the top with some other guy and we just looked at each other and just like high five each other like well you want to go up the service road to the very mast up in the mountain that is a climb and a half that is what's the it's 1.2 mile from the car park to the top well and you can't actually get right to the exact summit on the road bike you probably could the mountain bike or cross bike but 1.2 mile to the top and it's I think the average, the maximum grains about thirty percent of it. Jesus, that was so the men between the boys. That it's one. a fantastic claim. Yeah, I love it. Thirty thirty percent around us, so that doesn't I, go on for very long though. There's one there, um, the RT mast. Do you know it over in Omeath? You'll always see it as you're going up through the lock. I've never, I've, I know what you're talking about, but I've never yeah. been near it or anything. You or know, Flagstaff. Same Is that well. the Long Woman's Grave by any chance? It's next to the Long Woman's Grave. She's next. just going up again. So I've heard doing, my dad talk all about yeah. it because I used to do the cycling. She started off cycling, didn't you? Yeah, I started when I, I cycled for 11 years before I quite took the run. <laughs> yeah, because so, I, I sort of laughed at myself when I looked. I've done a bit of research this time. <laughs> I have not been doing research at all. I've been winging it the whole time, mm-hmm. like, um, which is grand anyway. I keep writing questions and never look at them, so I've just stopped writing questions. Right. And um, I looked at your age and you were born in 96. 95. 95. Yeah. And oh, I, all I could think of was what I was doing in 95. <laughs> at that age, was, I, I hear that all the time. It was more around the coach. Yeah. Up I in Bambridge, sort of partying the bit out. Yeah. And so you were sort of lucky to sort of go on that path at such a, long, a young age. Well, whenever I was two or three, started horse riding. Because my mum, she's grew up all her life with horses. And out in the stable, I grew up a horse start the minute. And sort of done that for years and then cycling came along and I'd done them both but juggled them both when I was at school and everything and then what age you start cycling? 8 mm. I would have been 8 or 9 I think it was 8 definitely 8 what was your influence then to bring you into that? Uh, my mum grew up all my life of horses whenever since I could walk I've just been in and around them and I've just been my cousin also done a bit of horse riding as well and just sort of took the notion I want to give this a go so mm-hmm. done a few lessons mum taught me how to ride and all and then doing competitions then obviously. yeah done competitions jumping cross country never really got onto the dress size I was too boring and then done a few hunts as well and I went on I'd done all that for years and then when the cycling came along sort of done the, done the racing mountain wagon road cyclocross and then did you find that you liked the cyclocross more so than the road that stage? Ah, the cyclocross was fun. That was the way I described yeah. it. I never really took it seriously because it was a winter and it was just another way of getting out on a Sunday for an hour. Playing in the muck. Yeah, I, I did really <laughs> enjoy it. I bought a bike. I bought a frame from a couple of wheels and built it up myself. I have my own bike. I actually still have it because my dad was riding out again. Yeah. But... Uh, <clears throat> I built it up, done a few races, but then I think that's whenever I was, I only done one, one season. Well, I didn't even get to the season, I think I got till Christmas of my first cross season, and that's whenever I packed it in all together. I was fed up, just put all the work in, and I just wasn't getting results. Mm. just thought that was... You didn't think it was going anywhere? No, I, got, I was <coughs> alright during a youth, youth rider, in June, a youth rider mostly, you were getting podiums here and there in Irish and Ulster Championships. Mm. And that was all always good there and then. Whenever you you enjoy getting coming home on a Sunday, if you've been down in Cork or Dublin with a medal, then 
when you get to junior you're thinking I'm doing more work but I'm not getting the same results mm-hmm. well it sort of just is the enjoyment went out of it yeah. I just that's sort of thought right bit demotivating really isn't it what was demotivating that's well, like you um, yeah. I'm hard to I'm usually some sort of I'd stick <coughs> something until it starts to go right but that it just didn't almost hit a saturation point with it yeah I think maybe I just second was halfway but if it wasn't say I've had a bad race I said right and they have three weeks in the next race and they do this and that I've done it maybe done myself too much harm yeah went to the next race and still didn't come away with a result I was finishing races I was still finishing in the bunch but I wasn't up there for prizes or anything yeah so it's just kind of annoying you're putting in a bit of effort extra effort and then yeah. you weren't seeing you moving forward in the group no. as such like whereas everyone else was mm. moving forward and I was just sort of stuck on a plateau that's the, that's the beauty of running isn't it it's such yeah. an honest sport I find like whatever you put in you, you definitely get back out there's no hiding in running I've learned <laughs> that I've definitely learned that over the last year and a half I would say since mm. I started really going at it seriously so what age did you switch over to running uh, Christmas 2015 I would have been 20 just turned 20 Jeez, you were breathing late on then just turned 20 there yeah and do you find obviously <coughs> well obviously did cross over for you built a lot of strength then from the on the bike well I would say it's definitely helped me come for the climbing because you think when you're grinding away up all the lanes all these roads around here especially <coughs> all the gear cyclists naturally have big quads if you yeah. watch her to France the size of the boy's legs yeah. and just the climbing's come naturally to me purely because of that well that's what I believe and I've been told by many others so there must be something in it but it's definitely yeah, but I know how to hurt because yeah. you know yourself cycling is very very hard but transferring that the runners taught me to know, I know how to dig deep yeah I was going to say it gives you sort of like a patience when you're digging deep on those climbs mm-hmm. you know you're going to get there you just have to keep grinding yeah. don't you you've got that threshold where you can sort of hack the pain that way a bit longer because you're thinking <laughs> I've been there before I know what I have to do just persevere but no the the transition wouldn't have said it was a hard transition it was getting used to the fact that you were going out maybe for a run and like when I started running, I wasn't running every day. I was running every two or three days. Just heading up on the sleeve curb, running around the, f- the fields and all there and making up my own wee routes and all. And I sort of took a notion that I'll give joining a running club a go. So on the advice of a few people that I had spoken to through the cycling club who were actually in Newcastle at the time as well, they advised me Newcastle joined yeah. Newcastle started doing a few club sessions with them and then they helped me unbelievable the support. it's a great club though isn't it oh, it's unbelievable the support they give me I arrived at a Tuesday night club session <coughs> on the notion what was going on and <laughs> they spoke to me got me into my, well a group that I thought was appropriate and away we went I think I remember the session it was five or one mile and I was at the front of all them sessions I was always up near the front and after that I sort of said right this is great crack because I was running with other people I'd never done it before yeah. I was always running on my own so it just it, I really enjoyed it so I sort of said right I think this is this is me it's about the path to take mm-hmm. did you find then when you crossed over running because um, you don't know where you're at you're, you're training on your own all the time mm-hmm. and then you sort of go into the group 
Did you go into the group thinking that you were such you were a strong runner? You're, well, not strong runner, but I suppose did you know where you were going to fit in the group? Or was it a surprise to you how far ahead you were? Or I hadn't a clue because I arrived there. I was fairly early. I didn't think there was going to be too many turn up. And next thing, people started crowding and I says, this might have been a bad idea to become in the night. <laughs> but no, once we got going and I got talking to the various people and they were asking me had a run before and I had run in school and everything, but not to this extent that I was going to be doing that night. Yeah. Done the warm up and then when we came to the session, like they're asking me how quick to run a mile in. I didn't know. Then they asked me how to run Mill Hill. So I told them, yes, I have. Told them the time. Next thing, this is right, that's you going that group. Then I was, when we started the session, I kind of felt this group, I feel like a go a wee bit harder here. So once I kind of got my burns and knew where I was going for each rep, yeah. I started to go that way but harder but then again I was I was wrecked at the end of the session because I hadn't done that type of work before yeah. were you feeling competitive in that sort of training session as well were you like a wee bit I wouldn't say I was overly competitive but I did always think right I need to be sticking with that boy there or he's good stick with him mm. sort of it's just the, the natural thing that running does to you it makes you competitive yeah, so how did that progress then from that sort of session then? Done so, every Tuesday session and went out on a Sunday run under the mountains. Done my own runs about here and then I got word that the first, um, there's a race coming up the, I think it was the Caswell on Lake 10k. And I done it. I won it. <laughs> it wasn't actually my first race, what was my first race for Newcastle? It was the British Championship Fell race. It was the Donard Comet race. Yeah. So I entered that. that unbeknown <laughs> that I was going into a baptismal fire that day. <laughs> I was in the top 20 up to the top of Donard. But the descent down the bog of Donard, I fell. Yeah. And on that descent. And it completely knocked me because I was winded for maybe 5-10 minutes. But trying to get going after that and I just went backwards. And yeah. I went across the line. I was glad to cross the line. I dropped so far back. Can't even remember what place I came in. But it's a tough race, though, isn't it? Like it's a hard. Oh, push it's up. hard. It was the longest I'd ever ran for because I think I was out for nearly two hours, which wasn't the plan. But you live and you learn. When I got you... when I finished it, it sort of says, right. There's a lot more work that needs to be done here. So I remember watching it a few years ago, and some people are excellent climbers. Mm-hmm. Some. People are brilliant at the descents. Um, which category do you fit in? But do you think climb is my stronger point? Uh, you you can watch some of the Nimmer races, especially this year, the likes of the Glenarf race. Me and Seamus Lynch were first to the top of the mountain. On the way back down, Seamus just left me for dead. <laughs> I can descend, but I can't descend as quick as what I should be at. Well, what yeah. I want to be at. Uh, I would never say I'm a I'm a great descender. That's my weakest point. Still loads of work to do on it. But my climb's definitely my strongest point. Uh, so such a mental aspect to decline, uh, descending, isn't there? It is. But once I think, well, once you get yourself in a good rhythm and you know you're going smoothly, you get the confidence built up and you just go ahead. But it just takes one one trip, one fall, to knock you. And then the rest of your sensor is going to be here. I need to watch that step. I need to watch what I'm doing here or else I'll fall again. But as I says, the more you do it, the more confidence you get built up and the better you get, which I've learned this year especially. And what about the flow? Like you said, well, you can get into flow coming down. 
Um, I changed my technique about 20 times coming down, so I'm mm-hmm. not really a mountain runner, mm-hmm. um, but I'm training in the mountains at the minute. What type of technique would you use coming down? Is Because I remember I'd done the Monway Ultra a few years back, a couple of years ago, and I'd done the Hill and Dales then just to try and learn technique. Mm-hmm. And it took me two or three of the races, because when you're launching yourself on the road, you just do not do that no. on the mountain at all. It took me two or three races to understand. Actually, my smallest step was actually taking me quicker down. Yeah. Well, generally, I think everyone's got their own technique. Well, I've definitely noticed from watching various races and racing against others. But I was, I think it just depends on how steep or how rough the terrain is. I've seen, uh, I think it was a Snowden this year, the winner from Italy. He didn't have, he didn't have quick strides. He was just natural, long, flowing strides. And I think he was the quickest descent that day. It's more of a rhythm. Yeah, it's more of a rhythm thing. But I say for the likes of coming down Donard from the top of the saddle, that's not the type of climb you can descent. Sorry, where you can just run. You have to really relax and just mm-hmm. keep your wits about you and not put your foot in the wrong place. I suppose that's the key thing is just keeping your body relaxed, isn't it? Yeah. So it's not tense. It's also a strength thing as well. Like if you've if you're strong, the descent will not bother you as much, but. In racing, you're going that hard down. You don't care whether you're going to hurt or not. Yeah. You know, you just want to... If you have someone with you, especially, you want to finish in front of them. So, mm. you'll get down that mountain any, by any means necessary, you know. Do you work on your core at all, then, to sort of help with the strength? That's one thing I do neglect as my core, but I don't feel that it's something I need because yeah. I think just... Not once I'm naturally strong, but... It's never something I've said here. I think I need to strengthen that to help mm. me. Uh, it could be something that I probably should look at. I don't know, but it's always in the back of your mind. But actually, when you're ascending and descending, it does build your core and the strength and your cushion and you're holding it. it does so. and I believe running the mountains is one of the best <clears throat> things to make you a stronger runner because it's the change in terrain, the change in the gradient. Your body's just yeah. going everywhere. It's not used to what. It's not used to that sort of demand. And okay, well, I like to keep it simple. I just sort of think the only way to become a better runner is by running. Yeah. Sometimes if you're doing all the running, the last thing you want to be doing after you do an hour in the mountains is, or two is come back and do half an hour core work. You know, that's mm. sort of one thing. That's my mindset anyway. But It's about how much time you have as well, isn't it? Yeah, you know, well, that's it. you've got an hour a day to spend... Then spend it running. Mm-hmm. Don't spend it reading a book yeah. or running or doing press ups or no. <laughs> or chin ups like, and things like that. I just like to run. Keep it simple. Just go out and run. The only way to get better at it is by doing it more. Yeah, I get a lot of questions about you know what type of watch to use or this to do or that to. And you know the best piece of advice I can go if you've got a big race, just try and train as much as you can on that type of course. Yeah. Or big time. Like the Garmin um, Skyline's coming up, so we've been out for the last few weeks just doing the course mm-hmm. and there's no better training or better advice you can get no because really. you're learning you're learning your lines you're learning the scene mm. you're learning the scenery around you because if we in a clear if it's a clear day hopefully it is you know because there's nothing worse than racing the morns in the clag <laughs> but once you get to know the scenery about you and you know your lines it's going to make the race day so much easier because you know what they expect there's no surprises and just you're ready for the race you know mentally and physically you're going to be ready for the race if you're just as you said yeah. doing wreckage of the course and is that what you would do then on local races if there's if i have the chance yeah 
generally a lot of the races I would know because from doing the Hill and Dales. Yeah. My first year at Hill and Dales was kind of difficult because I didn't know any of the courses. But now that I've done them once or twice, you, I don't know them, I wouldn't say I know them off the heart, but you generally know where you're going to be going. Yeah. Especially this, the, the morning Highline this year, I was glad that I got a recce two weeks before because come race day, couldn't see two feet in front of you. Yeah. So I was glad that, yes, I couldn't see the summits, but I knew that I knew where I was going, which was thankfully helpful. It can make a big difference. I remember um, in the Hill and Dales on Happy Valley, that mm-hmm. course, I was taking photographs and I was trying to get the line. It's hard, hard for me getting the line, taking photographs where they were yes. going to come down. Yeah. <clears throat> and they just come down all over the place. And some people were taking twice the distance. Oh, you could see definitely. they were just going off course. I've done, I made that mistake. Uh, it was the sleeve burner race in the Nimbra series. I was coming, I got a real bad line off uh, burner because the line I knew I had to take, I ran past it because the rain was baiting in my face. Couldn't see where I was going. Ran past it, ended up too far down. And it was a bit of a sketchy descent off it. But I got myself gathered up. And coming off down to the finish, I took, I dropped down too early. I should have stayed up another 100 yards or so and then dropped yeah. down, but I dropped down too early. And it was the worst line possible because <laughs> I was leading the race and I came in second. It's amazing how the wrong line can make so much difference, in it, especially in fell running. Yeah. Not so much mountain running, but fell running, that's whenever all that counts. You yeah, know. definitely. And you've done a lot of races on the road as well, haven't you? You talked no. about the no, you haven't, have you? No, I have done very little on the road because don't like the road as much. Yeah. Uh, I've done a couple of five k's. I've done done the Armagh five k and Armagh three thousand meter race on the road. Well, you had a great miles. you had a great time on it, but it, it's uh, such a competitive race. The Armagh five k as a shock to the system like that race because I first year in twenty sixteen when I I didn't actually do the five k because I didn't have the time. I done the 3k and I remember turning up to it and I was like seeing all everyone and they were wearing their racing flats and just everyone looked very very fast and <laughs> it was a the road it wasn't a wet night it wasn't rain it was dry but the roads were very greasy and I opted not to wear my road shoes I actually wore my Salomon S Lab Sense soft ground for the, like for the mountains and got a bit of stick for wearing that but I went out and done the race, and actually, once I got settled in the race, and I got going, in the last 400 metres, I kicked for home, and I only got bit for one second, in the second to the win, so I came second. Yes, it was, I enjoyed it, but it was just so fast. I'm not designed for speed. You can take the man out of the mine, but you can't take the mountain no, out of the man. That is, <laughs> yes, that is, I agree with that statement 100%. And then this year, I've done the 5k, 2017, and... 30 second PB. Yeah, and what, what's your time? 15? 15.32. And I actually did see that. It was 171st. Yes, I mean, that was a shock. I didn't expect like, that either. Like, I think that would be a shock to most people even hearing this to get, mm-hmm. what was it, 15? Like, 15.32 got me 170. <laughs> <laughs> and even now, it's, like, you're laughing now. I used to laugh at it because in the winter, I think, there was only one person that night went under 14 minutes. Like you can, it's, it's, it's brilliant because you can see so many people ahead of you and they're so close but you don't realise how far they actually are in yeah. time well it's a brilliant race brilliant atmosphere I'll hope to go back this year and hopefully 
go closer to maybe the 15 minute mark I don't know just have to see how it goes but yeah how would you change and adapt your training do you find you have to do that coming off the main to try and grind that speed down a bit it's or? not the sort of race I would well I wouldn't say I'm training specifically for that it's sort of a race you would do just to test how you're doing how yeah. far you've come on because uh, 30 seconds is phenomenal over year. 5k that's a lot especially that so trying to find that 30 seconds is going to be hard but it's just a case it's sort of race you can't plan for how it's going to work because it's unpredictable mm. you know just there's that many people there's a case of just getting sucked in and hanging on for as long as you can that's how i worked it <laughs> and do you even get a breath no the last kilometer just killed me but i got around i actually passed quite a few because i always try and leave a wee bit in reserve for a strong finish and Thankfully, it paid off. Yeah. And I was able to pass a few. You talked about the Mill Hill. Mill Hill Mile, yeah. Um, but that's local here, is it? It's not yeah. far away. Oh, it's only ten minutes from here. Ten minutes from yeah. here, like so. You done it. I've seen your results over the last three years. You were junior under twenty three. Yeah. And you came first. Yeah, twenty sixteen was the first year actually winning it. Believe it or not, whenever I was at big end of the cycling, it was always held September. I used to cycle over do the run and cycle home and then on one occasion there I think Shim the Wheelers actually held a bike hill climb on it so I cycled over done the run got up to the top got on the bike came back down done the bike hill climb and cycled <laughs> home but that was that was fun I enjoyed that doing that but when I won it the first time I was only I was only back 24 hours from the first world mountain running championships and only it was 10 minutes over the hill and maybe when I went to done it but yeah. Couldn't say no, so done it and I won it for the first time. So it was luckily, luckily I was able to take it for the third third time again this year. Yeah, so this in two thousand seven you done it and you won it, but there was you're still a sort of a junior, aren't you? On the no, well, look, as of November this this year, I'll not be on the twenty three anymore. Yeah, I'd be so a fully blown senior. You've now moved into seniors, but you you still won it. But you not considerable time off this year, didn't you? Yeah, it was five twenty five this year and last year was 5 46 and and 2016 was 537 yeah well I think this year I just I was came in I was fresh I was sort of using it as a tester before the world championships and I felt good coming into it so I just says go out and say go hard and see what I can do but yeah it was it's a good race to win because there's some big names in that trophy when you look at Dion McNeely's record of five minutes dead Jeez. It's a, it's something I am aiming for. I would love to be able to tackle it and break it. How long has that race been going for? Cause oh, it's been going historic, on. isn't it? It's been going a brave while. Uh, the record was actually broke nineteen ninety five, the year I was born, I think. I could be wrong. <laughs> they don't quote me on that, but uh, yeah. Well, there's some big names on it. You got Dion McNeely, you got Robbie Bryson, and just some. It's a trophy that. Locally, you want to get your name on to. Yeah. So. How do you warm up for something like that then? For Mill Hill, I just done 20 minutes jogging, done a few strides and a bit of stretching. Mm. Well, wasn't it when I say stretching, I got my glutes and all fired up just because I knew it was going to be a par, powerful yeah. climb. So, just sort of warmed up like I was. But it is race. important to warm up though. Oh, well, I, I couldn't race without warming up because yeah. I just wouldn't feel ready. I like, I, I do like to get maybe a minimum of two miles in before I run. Cause it's just yeah. it's getting the body ready for that. Like you need the heart. blood flow, don't you? Like you need to get the blood flow and you need to get the heart going. Cause if your heart's not ready for the 
the pine and it's going to take when you're racing. It's <laughs> going to be. It's not going to come out well for you. So everyone has their own different way of warming up. And thankfully, I find mine, so I just stick to it wherever I go. Do you, do you find you've got like a high tolerance to pain? Like where, like, are you ever going through a race and just there's so much negative chatter going on in my head? I does everybody suffer with that? I when you say negative chatter, I would, I don't, I generally go to a race and I don't think negative. I generally I wouldn't be a negative person. Like I always like to be positive mm. because. There's no point being negative because it's only going to reflect on you. Yeah. And if you go into a race thinking of negative thoughts, you're only going to have a negative race. Simple as that. That's, well, that's my belief. But yeah. If I don't go in negative, it's like if you've got 1K to go, <laughs> your mind is telling you like... No, well, if you're if you're 1K to go and you're feeling good, <clears throat> well, you have every reason to feel positive because you know you have 1K to go and it's maybe three and a half, three, three and a half minutes of your life. It's not gonna destroy you, so <coughs> just hang on. Just get on with. It. Yeah. That's the sort of the way you would do it. Like, especially in them longer races. Like, there's no point in if you're right. Like, so, so the legs of the skyline, <coughs> you can be out for four to five hours. There's no point looking at your watch because you could say, "Well, I have two miles to go here," but that two miles could take you half an hour, forty-five minutes, because mm. of the train you're on. Whereas in the road, it's different. That two miles could only take you 10, 11 minutes. Have you done the Garmin skyline? No. How do you think there'll be quite a few people listening to this that are doing the, the race? Um, it might be slightly different for the people up front, I'm not sure. But how, what type of preparation do you think would help you in that race? So what type of kit would you sort of wear in that race? Well, personally, I, I, have, really. I have no personal experience running that for that length of time. Right, okay. Or that distance, like my longest race. Would say it's only been ten or eleven miles, whereas the skyline's was it thirty five k? Yeah, it's twenty miles, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So. Just fast and furious races that your, the sort of your niche. Yeah, well, uh, uh, there's still a lot I want to achieve racing shorter mm. distances, but on top until I have sort of, I would like to move in the longer distances at some stage, but just not at the minute. Yeah. Uh, the likes of the skyline will be a fantastic race to give a go because it's local and the publicity around it's fantastic and. When you see the, some of the athletes that have raced it, mm. it's something that I do. I'd love to give a go. Uh, but when you're talking about kit there, I think everyone, <coughs> per, well, I, to me, I think everyone just has to sort of they know what themselves, what they want to take mm. in terms of food and gear. Some people might take poles if they're allowed, are they? Yeah, they're allowed to think after, yeah. after uh, start. There's, there's, there are a few videos that are actually on if you go on the YouTube, I've seen before from Solomon and how what sort of the kit you would pack in your race kit. So that's sort of that's the type of thing you want to be watching because you're getting from the experts. Personally, I wouldn't know exactly what to take. I would know yeah. roughly uh, as long as you have enough food, a waterproof, and just enough that's going to see. Just try the error, really, isn't it? Like yeah, well, as long as you're as long as you know the food that you want to take, don't be trying anything new in the race day. Yeah. You know what, what type of food do you take? Rocky Roads. No, <laughs> that's a cup of tea. I like them with a cup of tea. But on the morning of a race, or, I like my I like Nutella. So Nutella and toast, one thing I always have in porridge, and a few bananas. I would probably have three or four bananas on the way on the way to the race, and always have one an hour before. But during a race, I've never. If it's, if it is a long race, that I think, I can especially for the likes of the morning highline. I had two bars with me 
just cocoa pops bars because mm. they're light and they're easy to eat. But in terms of gels, I don't take gels or anything because I think they're nearly the worst thing for you personally. Because when you're running, and say if you take one and you're going up a mountain, the next thing you come on to the sand, it's jigging about inside, yeah, and that's definitely. what they think can cause you stomach cramps or to be sick. Yeah, I found that on the roads I can handle them okay, but when you mm-hmm. go into the mountain, I've taken one and you do it just I think it just churns in your stomach a lot. Does because you're sort of you're you're moving all different positions in the mountains. But one thing I do like to take in a longer race is fruit pastels because mm-hmm. the sugar boost. I took them this year at the European World Championships and they were the one thing that saved me <laughs> yeah. because because of the heat and you're losing so much sweat, the sugar just gives you that wee kick. Yeah. And I just that's probably the one thing I always keep in my bum bag or if there is somewhere to get feed. So the success in running came very quick, like, didn't it? So if you were like 20, you're sort of going down the rub shoulders with the Newcastle Athletic Club, and all of a sudden there's sort of an international call-up come pretty soon, didn't it? Yeah, well, uh, come first international call-up, well, for, running for Northern Ireland, I ran the British Inter-Counties in Wales. I was, from what I remember, I was 30th at it, and... Jeez. I enjoy because I, I was away running and somewhere I was completely new to me, Lambaris. Yeah. Never been there in my life. Beautiful down there. And too. yeah, fantastic, beautiful part of the world. And just the people I was away with sort of gave me that motivation. This is I enjoyed this. Let's go again. So whenever uh, I think it was the Snowden race was the second time getting called up, and I had no idea what was in store for me that day. <laughs> I've heard all the stories of Snowden before that, and I was sort of thinking that I can't be that bad. But halfway up that mountain, I realised I was wrong. Uh, such a it's such a long way up. I think I climbed crest the summit in 40, 45 the first time. Jeez. But coming back down, I completely wasn't prepared for the distance. I hadn't trained. Yeah. Well, I had trained for the distance, but I hadn't trained hard at the distance. Coming down, the descent was just completely my endurance just wasn't up to scratch and I was suffering in the descent I was in top 10 up to the top on the way back down I dropped back the 14th I think I came down in 71 minutes dead across the line in Jesus and that's phenomenal though. that was that was probably my first race racing against like the Italians and the French so I got more just sort of sort of wet my appetite a bit more for that yeah and on the way, it was actually because I was running for Northern Ireland. There was a team from Ireland over as well, and they were in the same boat back. And a couple of the team members had said to me to give the Irish World Championship trial a go. So I got the information off them, and I didn't say just went down, done the trial. Never told anyone because I didn't know how it was going to turn out. But I went and done the trial, which was in Crone Wood, down in Wicklow, and it was just uphill only, straight to the top of Joyce, something like four mile. And I got up and I won. Jeez. And when I realised here I've been called up for Ireland here, I was a bit of a shock to the system. Like I didn't expect it, don't think many expected it to prefer, but You must have been buzzing after that. I was buzzing because when I realised I was going to Bulgaria <laughs> and I was thinking, I'm going to Bulgaria here to represent Ireland in a world championship. It's kinda a bit surreal but Got my head down, done. Because how long have you been sort of turned to running then? It's like two or three years, is it? Two? No, 2016, 2015. I was only up to running maybe four or five months. Jeez. At that stage. And I sort of got word, got all my details through of what, when, 
when the when the race was what the course was and it was I think I remember it was twelve K uphill only finishing at two thousand meters above sea level. And that <laughs> I seen that and I said there's no way there's nothing about on the island of Ireland that is remotely close to yeah. that sort of climbing. So Slave Crib came in handy, was doing four reps of it. Jesus. Four reps of ten minutes, eleven minutes up to the top and all just trying to build up that climbing endurance. But come the championship I was it was a an experience I would say because I wouldn't I didn't know why I, I didn't know what to expect. Yeah. It's so very hard to know when you're going into something new, isn't it? Definitely. I mean you hate when you're lining up beside Ugandans and Kenyans <laughs> and Americans, it's, you're sort of thinking I feel a wee bit out of place here. But I think it was seventy sixth I finished. Whilst I was yes, not naturally I think I was a wee bit disappointed, but I had to sort of step back and say, Look, it's your first world championship, don't uh, too hard on mm. yourself. But I've been running four or five months here. Yeah. Like. So you knew in in yourself you had a lot to learn, really. Yeah. As well. And what did you learn anything? Can you remember anything that you learned that stood out in your mind from that first experience? Don't on don't I or any big ex- mistakes that you big you mistakes. Think you made? I would say not seeking enough advice. I would say I did get a Newcastle were fantastic and giving me help on what I should be doing to prepare for it and from various runners, but I think I maybe should have myself should have been asking more questions. But I was a novice, I didn't this is all new to me. I had not yeah. got a clue what I was putting myself in for, but it was whenever I'd done that and I came home and I sat and seen pictures of the race and seen the Irish kits in the front of me, I says, This is this is actually class. I <laughs> wanna do this. That's brilliant. And then when I heard about all the opportunities that there was in mountain running, I just said, Right, this is something I have to tackle. Because it's explosive, like, you don't actually realise, we're not really exposed to it as much, how much mountain running there is. No. But there's loads of it out there, and especially from the international scene, it's huge. It is fantastic. Like, the the mountain running community here in Ireland is fantastic because it's, everyone's so friendly, everyone's so approachable. There's no, there's no one person that thinks they're better than everyone. Yeah. I love that. But compared to the road and track, it's, it's just the nature of the sport. Uh, mountain run doesn't get as much exposure as what the track and road does unfortunately but now that the likes of there's various races taking place over here and abroad that's slowly building up its reputation but it's sort of a minority sport in reality to the likes of a track race or a road race that takes, takes place here but sometimes it's not about I think the more people get into the sport and realise how good it is, it's only going to be good things. There's nothing bad about mountain running, you know. Because they, they always see mountain running, there's this perception that it's just a total different breed of runners. Mm-hmm. And, like, on the road, it hasn't really got... Um, it's all, They're almost mythical. <laughs> They've always been in the past, you know, the mountain runners. Yeah. I remember reading the book, um, is it Feet in the Clouds? Yeah. If you've ever read that, I'm yeah, sure read you have read book. that book. Like, yeah. And it's just purest raw running, mm-hmm. you know, and it really, I suppose the field wasn't as big, but it's just growing all the time. And over the last two or three years, it's just exploded now, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, it definitely has. When you read them books, the likes of Feet in the Clouds, 
And what's this other one? Um, there's no map in hell. Yeah. Just all these different fed running books, and you read about how the runners like Kenny Stewart and Josh Naylor and all trained years ago, and how their races worked. It's phenomenal. Like compared to what a road runner would do, fed running training and mountain running training in general, I think is just a different breed altogether. Yeah. But and you read the likes of Kenny Stewart, he was he was a fantastic marathon runner as well as a mountain runner and the races he won he holds the record for the Ben Davis race and the record for the Snowden race plus he also turned out a fantastic I think it was 211 marathon maybe quicker but he was able to transfer his strength in the mountain on the road that's unique there's not too many who can do that mm. but he's sort of the I've read his book and it's fantastic because it's sort of what was that book called? oh the name left me Google that one, folks. <laughs> yeah, Google that. Uh, the name's left me because I actually, I was reading it, I, I actually only finished reading it about three weeks ago. And But it does, like, racing in the mountains does bring a lot of strength onto the road. Oh, so it does. No doubt about it that. It definitely does. Uh, one, there's one runner that I, in mountain running terms, I think is an absolute legend, and that's John Lennon. Hmm. He's Ireland's only ever world mountain running champion. He won it in 1991 in Zermatt. And I have his book. And I've I'm actually read it five times. I'm on it six very soon. Because when he worked, he was he won Karen Tuhill 19 times. Plus he also, he was a 62-minute half marathon man. Jesus. And he held, he held uh, the Irish marathon record. Half marathon record, sorry. He was Irish half marathon champion. He's a 28-minute 10K man. And a 14-minute, uh, sub-14-minute 5K man. And you read his book and you see the training he done. He started off on the roads before moving on to the mountains. But whilst he was at his peak in the mountains, you're still able to turn their performances onto the road. Yeah. And that's the sort of fella I think is just... When you read his book and you see where he came from, it's absolutely fantastic. Just sort of follow that path. does. And as well, there's like the likes of Jonathan Watt. He's actually the six-time world mountain running champion. He's also a top-class marathon runner. He's retired now. He's actually the president of the World Mountain Running Association. But he's another fellow to look up to. But mm. no one realises how much... I think there's some people are naive to how much mountain running can benefit your, your own yeah. road run. But I remember when I, I done the Hill and Dales, I only got to, I think, race six. Mm-hmm. And I had a 10-mile um, road loop. And it was my hill climb. And after doing the six Hill and Dales, I went back to it this is doing me no good now it doesn't even feel like a hill yeah and it wasn't a hill really and relative to the mountains you know mm-hmm. but just the difference those six races made oh it does the hill and dales are fantastic the, the, the crowd at them and the racing and the courses in general are just class yeah. but that 30 or 40 minutes you're out there running you don't know why it, it does benefit you because yeah, you think the likes of uh the rocky one and all like the, the climbing and that and then you have Binion and then you have the Donald race that's not maybe it wasn't a Hill and Dale this year but have you a favourite Hill and Dale race which would be your favourite Binion I love Binion because it's just uphill only and it's just <laughs> it's just a brilliant wee race and uh, I like the I like Donard and I like uh, I think one of the other favourites was Rocky yeah but Binion have been favourite I've won it two years in a row and just the pure straight to the top sample mm. and the, both the, the, the first year I done it that was I was second second year I won it third year I won it so 
Who are you racing against in the third year? Because there's always a race within the race, isn't there? Yeah, William McKee and Seamus Lynch. Those are my <laughs> yeah. two. Always, I've always seem to be with them two this year. So, yeah, that's a sort of a race. Like, they're, they're two fantastic runners. Unbelievable. Yeah. Seeing the descents, I can't match the two of them. But it's always exciting on a climb because it's sort of the three of us are always watching each other. But It was great this year. It was that foggy. Oh, it was unbelievable. And I took a photograph halfway up. And there was the three of you just coming in the fog. Yeah. And you zipped past me. I didn't know what happened after that. <laughs> it was just so I, tight. I, I just jumped the wall and away I went. <laughs> and it was a hard push now because I genuinely thought I was being caught. But because the fog was that thick, you couldn't see where anyone was. And my fear was when I crossed the wall, I said to myself, I may be going too far right. And I've missed the, the line up to the finish. But thankfully, it wasn't too far over. And I missed it. I'd seen it just in time to cut across and got it. But... Yeah, <clears throat> this year with Seamus and Willie's just been like the likes of the Follows race and the Glenarf race. The three of us have been neck and neck with each other. And yeah. Seamus, he's come out on top both times. But as I say, as a race within a race, you're always aiming to beat each other. And it brings out, I think it brings out better racing for all of us. Because I know, I know everyone gets on really, really well. <coughs> Is there much psyching out at the start of the race or... I wouldn't say they're second out. It's just a bit of everyone's having the crack talking about you know banner. how they've been doing and boys say though they haven't been training as much and boys say not done this and that. But so once once the race director announces that there's a minute to go, it's just that's it. Everyone's just <laughs> focused on the line. But, yeah. So tell me about the mountain running World Cup then this year. <clears throat> um, how did you get into that race? Uh, this is a trial isn't it as well no the World Cups it's totally different to the World Championships and European Championships it's held over five races <clears throat> and um, it's a ph- phenomenal journey though isn't it <clears throat> the races in general they're picked because of their stature and mountain running like the two I done this year actually uh, Hochfell and Berglauf in Bavaria in Germany it's a classic race. It's it's a historical race in that region, and so is Smarnagora in Slovenia. It was sort of with a couple of friends of mine from England and Scotland had talked about doing it, and we had sort of discussed we'd do both races. But because they were a week apart, yeah. we just spent the week out traveling through different climbing different mountains. Whilst we were out there, and it was brilliant because we'd done Hockfallen, and all of us finished well up in the race, and. Sort of after the race, you're talking about how everyone went, and the next day we were in Austria, and we were doing we we're out for near over two hours run near two thousand over two thousand meter mountains, and it's just it's a good way of seeing the world. Yeah. Doing them World Cup races, and hopefully coming into the twenty nineteen season, I'll hopefully do a few more, do maybe two extra rounds or something, but just have to see how the calendar works out. But they are, they're the sort of races that if you want to be a better mountain runner, those are the races that you want to be doing. So, I love it. I love seeing the world and I love travelling, so. Which one was it you came 13th in it? Was that the cup, was it? That was the, that was the overall World Cup series. Okay, because that's quite a high place, like, isn't it, in that field? Yeah, well, I, I didn't expect to finish so high, but, yeah, I only done two rounds of the World Cup out of the five. But, like, I'm not sure, I generally must have done all right to finish up there, but... Yeah, it's always something you want to develop for the future. You always want to finish up. Do you have a coach? I do, yes, Richard Rogers. How long have you had him for? Because he was a phenomenal runner himself, wasn't he? Yeah, Richard was a very good mountain runner. I'm just in general a very good runner back in the day. And uh, 
he actually held the Snowden, the Northern Ireland Snowden record before I took it off him this year. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Richards coached me. He took me on after I won after my World Championships in 2016. So uh, coming up two years, one bit far off two years. And the. So he, he held that the best Irish time, didn't he, for Snowden? Aye, for Northern, Northern Ireland. 1991. Yeah. I snatched it off him, but here, all in good spirits, all in good spirits. Yeah. Uh, no, Richards. But that must have been good for him, too, home. like that the record was taken off somebody that he was coaching. Yeah, well, that's what, uh, that's what he was saying. Uh, Richards brought me on so much since I joined him. It's unbelievable because whenever I started with him, for me to go and do a tempo run, I was struggling to break six minute twenty miles. But now I've come on, I'm tempoing five twenty miles. Yeah. And it's just the 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 difference he's made to me, building me up as a runner and racing all these just teaching me how to be a runner is just phenomenal. And is there anything that sticks out that you were sort of missing? I wasn't I didn't have, I wasn't running long enough, I wasn't doing enough, I wasn't mm. consistent. And that's one thing Richard has drilled into me and this it's stuck with me because consistency is key. Mm. Whenever I before I joined Richard, I was running four out of the seven days a week, and then once I got going with Richard and learning from him, I up until last week, last Saturday, I hadn't missed a single day of running in nineteen months. Jeez, and that's consistency. Yeah, and. It's all about momentum, isn't it? It is momentum. Once you get going, as as humans are creatures of habit. Once you get into the way of something, it's hard to get away from it. And once I started running twice a day every day, it's now you get up in the morning, you go for a run, you go to work, you come home, go for a run. Mm. You don't think about it, just do it. It becomes a lifestyle, though. It does become a lifestyle, and just whenever you're when you're running and. When you're out and running about, especially in the countryside, like up around where I live here, and up in Sleeve Curb, it's, I love it. You sort of find when you're sort of running well, everything's good in yeah, life, isn't I it? Yeah, I would agree. Back in July there, I would say I was at my, up until, uh, back then I was at my run, my lifetime best running. Yeah. Uh, I'd done a couple of races building up into the European Championships in Macedonia, and everything was going well. I think as well, it was the time of the heat wave was over here. And just been able to get out and rolling in the heat and all. And everything was just good. And I went into the Europeans in the best shape of my life. And mm. After that, there I sort of had three good races along that period. And those are the three results that mattered this year. Those are the results that really counted. And How did you do in those? Europeans, I was 19th, which was the highest finish by an Irish runner in a major championship, I think, since 1990. 1984, I think. Yeah. How does that make you feel when you do that? Uh, well, I say, I was, I was humbled. I would say because it's nice to see that the work you're putting in, you're getting the rewards for it. Uh, there's quite a few people don't appreciate how good they actually are. You know, it takes the results sometimes to make well, you recognise that. Well, sort of a result. You sort of sit back and think, here I'm 19th in Europe. <laughs> you know, at the time it was kind of hard to sink in, but whenever it eventually did sink in a few days later I sort of thought right don't rest on your laurels let's get better because you know what you did to get there yeah so that must make you feel good that you have and the coach obviously helps us as well if you've got direction 
mm-hmm. and you know where to go. So you're not just running mindful, mindlessly. No. You sort of know what you have to do and what you have to keep on doing to keep moving forward. Yeah. No, Richard's very good at keeping me. He's very good for guidance because if he's only at the end of the phone, if I need a question, I want to ask him something. And we're always in regular contact with each other, talking about how the training's going, how the last race went, or what needs to be done for the next race, you know, and uh, we have a training group there that we would meet there to do sessions together, and just the general atmosphere about it all, because everyone, everyone in the group has got the same goals, albeit they're different disciplines, but everyone wants to be the best at what they're doing. So when you have a sort of the same, when you're sort of training with the people who have the same mindset as you, it makes it that much easier. And you more know, feel, it well. does make it more enjoyable because it gives you that bit of a competitive nature in training. You always think, right, he's quicker than me this week, but next week, you know, you want to be that way a bit closer, or just in general, there's always a bit of crack. Like for meeting tomorrow morning, there to do a run, and then Sunday morning more of a session planned, and it's just everyone gets on well with the gather and. So nineteen months. Like your body obviously has adapted really well to that type of stress, I mm-hmm. suppose, and obviously momentum is key. Yeah. So how have you avoided injury for such a long time? Oh, no. Touching wood there for you. So yes, I'm touching touch wood as well. <laughs> uh, I just don't com- I just don't complicate things. I think well, my belief is that if you complicate your running, that's when the problems happen. Uh, for me, just. I think it's just purely just running and being able running the mountains builds your strength uh, makes your body just more robust to the higher mileage mm-hmm. maybe the heavier loads you're doing but I wouldn't say there's any key ingredient for not getting injured you, you look after your body as best you can you eat right you're, you stay hydrated you stretch when you need to I wouldn't say I'm, I'm not religious with stretching I would do a stretch a quick stretch in the morning before I run I would stretch after I run but and as well, I would get regular uh, treatments from Move Physiotherapy in Castle Well. And Marty up there has been a great, great help to me this year. He actually came on board offering his help to me this year. And especially after races, whenever the legs maybe aren't as feeling as fresh, he's helped me no ends. And especially with my mobility, he's helped me a lot with it, giving me advice on how to make certain joints more flexible and loose for running. And that helps as well when you've got that guidance behind you. Marty's been fantastic this year. And yeah, the physio is key because I think it's a big mistake people going to physios when they're injured. Mm-hmm. Where actually the biggest benefit of a physio is prevention. Yeah, well, that's the key. Well, I myself, I'm a qualified sports massage therapist, and I would always say I'm not. I always say that the one thing you can do to stop injury is preventing it. Mm. And you always see, you always hear people with the they've rendered this and that but sometimes it can't be helped like I'm, the, I'm no expert on it hopefully I don't, I don't want to be an expert on it either <laughs> but in general if you're just if you're doing the right things if you do is if you create as little hassle as possible and you're running you'll think you're going to be okay yeah. once you know your own body it becomes a whole lot easier I think you need to listen to your body if you're maybe not feeling like you're up to doing a long run you know yourself, you maybe won't do the long run, but sometimes nearly the best thing for you is just to get out and go for a run. doesn't yeah. have to be a, a long run as such, but 
a day, whenever I, as I said, 19 months without missing a day, I just got into the rhythm. And I, generally, if I, if I said to myself, I might not get out today, I made a point of yeah. fitting it in somewhere in the day, even if I meant to get up at 5 in the morning to go to, before I work. You still done it. It's like I put a post up the other day on Ron Hill. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen that. So he holds the record for it was like fifty two years and mm-hmm. I think sixteen days. Might be wrong in that, but he was the same. No matter how he felt, he always found, even if it was for one mile, yeah, just to yeah, keep that habit of Donald. going. And sometimes it'd be, sometimes he'd be feeling good. Sometimes he he wouldn't. And if he felt good, he was getting really good long runs. Yeah. In. And if he wasn't, it's just as you say, just listening to your body. Well, that's it. And adapting. It definitely is. Once you, once you let know your body, everything becomes easier. Mm. The momentum is obviously going to help you as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's different if, like, people are going to go out and run 15 miles this week and haven't run more than eight miles. Mm-hmm. You know, you're putting... It's you're too, too big of a step. Far too big. You're only going to cause problems for yourself. <laughs> and, like, my longest ever runs 14 miles. Yeah. And, like, if you were to say to me, go out and do 20 miles tomorrow... Couldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. But at the same time, I know my body wouldn't be adjusted to doing that just straight away. It takes a long, a long training block to be able to build up to that sort of distance. And yeah, um, I think that's key. Like the, tra- the training block is key, though, because some people will pick a race and it's in twelve weeks' time, mm-hmm. and it, and it just it's a heavy increased load on their body. And even though you can do it. So you could run 20 miles tomorrow, you know that, you could run 25, but it's the mm-hmm. impact that that's going to have on your body. Yeah, and the body, when you're putting the body under that much stress mm-hmm. in such a short space of time, that's only going to, I don't know, some people might be more robust to doing that sort of distance. Maybe, like, I know I'm not. What about fuel and recovery, or do you think about that at all? Oh, recovery. Uh, what? From protein perspective, are you... Uh, no, I There's don't... so much false advertisement out there at the minute and you go into the shops and it's like protein bar this and there was a brilliant one I picked up there earlier on. It's big, massive words across the bag of protein mm-hmm. packed nuts and you pick up the bag of the packet and it's 4.9 grams of protein. Yeah, and then you see it how much sugar's on it. Re- it seems to be the real buzzword at the minute. Like, Is it something you focus on after runs that you must get like... Oh, five million thousand grams of protein no nope, not one bit no nope, i don't take protein shakes i don't take protein bars i don't take anything like that uh one thing i always take with me to a run regardless if it's training the session or not is uh banana and water straight in the mess as soon as i finish the session straight into it and i'd i'll always like to get like a favorite post run meal of mine with scrambled egg and toast and bacon yeah because the eggs, the most I think eggs, most a natural food. There's no additives in it. There's nothing, no bad stuff in it essentially. And do you try and eat clean then as much as you can? As best as I can. I do like I do have a sweet tooth. I do like as I say, we're packing a rocky road sitting here in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't touched anyone any the night yet, but that could soon change. But no, uh, generally like, during the during the week and working all, I could stay. I got a rice. I like the next festivals and off for lunch and I would have a banana in the morning and have a banana from my lunch and it is it is it is important though when you're racing at your level and the podcast I, I done last week with Brian Bell he made a key point in saying your best piece of kit you've got is your body mm-hmm. so you have to look after it oh you do uh, you, you see your as you said about your protein bar there 
There's was a 4.9 grams of protein on it, yeah. but as well, like, there's how much sugar there is it's on it. packed with sugar, like, like yeah. yes, it's all right. You can go out on a Saturday night there and maybe get a fish supper and have a can of coke with it or something. I you and I I admit I did. I was a, I when I was younger I had been partial to maybe too much sweet stuff, but I do have I have cut back on it and like during and work there. Today I actually had donuts in work. From Greg's and I didn't take any. It's not that I didn't. I didn't. The, the urge wasn't there. I just never didn't feel yeah. them. I just said, "Nah, no, I'll not take one." But and yeah, sometimes. But you need to make. You need to be able to treat for you. You don't want to be eating something that maybe doesn't agree with you, but you're in it because someone said it's good for you. Yeah. Uh, like you see all like protein like fulfill bars and was it grenade bars? Yeah. Uh, I would I'm never. Charging like two pound fifty. I would never touch them. Because one, I don't like the taste of them. Because I tried one one day and I had my stomach didn't feel right after it. Uh, but I, sometimes, like the, the best f- form of food is natural food. You know, like yeah. eggs, and without a doubt. Yeah. And that's the worst thing about the likes of those protein bars. You get the the, the Mars bar protein bars now, and there's these. It's funny. Um, I seen that advertised this morning when I was in the shop. I seen them and. Uh, and the chocolate, all the chocolate bars, but they're just full of sugar. Yep. they're chocolate bars no matter what they're just chocolate bars with protein in them mm-hmm. and the sugar's maybe doing you more harm yeah. well uh, yeah you, you're than, than you're good right that you're there. getting out of protein yeah and it was a fact that somebody told me one time or had read and it was like nobody had ever nobody has ever been submitted to hospital for having a deficiency in protein ever it just doesn't exist no I haven't heard a lot myself <laughs> now. so ambition then what's your you've talked about a few races there um, from a goals perspective, what are you chasing down? The end goal, I think, when you're right, when like, my end goal, I love to be world mountain rolling champion. Uh, I know what the work I have to do to get there. I know it's a very long process and it's going to take years of training to get to that level. But when you see that as the carrot, you know, that's all the motivation I need to yeah. get out there in the winter and the cold and wet mornings and do a run before work and then doing a day's work and coming home and going for a run again. Uh, I... Because you were 13th. 13th in the World Cup and in this year's World Championships I was 47th. Whilst I wasn't me at the best, but I would say I was a below par performance, the break in the top 50 in the world is another stepping stone. Yeah. And hopefully... Over the next few years, I'll be able to bring that down and climb higher up on the stands. Because you were the first Irish man home, though, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, I was, yeah. And the same at the European Championships this year. So, it's all them, all those results sort of count towards something. Mm. They just add to the motivation, fuel for the fire. And I just would love to be able to say that I achieved mm. the goal that I set out to at the very start. But, mm. yeah... Um, it's a long it's a, it's a it's exciting I would say it's exciting because when you see when you plan a season and you see right I hope fingers crossed no injuries or anything I'll be going to this country and that country it's it's brilliant I love it you, you can't because the, ju- the journey is just as important as the end goal like, isn't it oh it is you need to enjoy the journey if you're not enjoying your running you know Cause look, it, when you look back and the places you've been already mm-hmm you haven't even got that far to look back at the minute. <laughs> You've only got three, <laughs> yeah. three, four years yeah, well, at most. Yeah, well, 
like this year it was has been particularly busy this year. I've actually what was it, I've been to Andorra, Macedonia, Slovenia, Austria, Germany. England and Wales and then next week I'm going over to England for the FRA relays with Newcastle and then the week after I'm going to Italy for the weekend for the Trophy of Vinoni mountain relays that's brilliant so that, that's my season ending there and do you find you have to take a month out or anything to let your body recover or I'll decide or that drop it I, back down or I took a, last year I took a week off <laughs> but I think it's alright you can take because Ron's not my full time job you know it's kind of hard to take a month off because it's very hard mm. to go a month without running. It's different if you're a full-time runner. You can afford maybe to take that because you need to refuel and recharge the batteries. But when you come to the end of the season, then you sort of drop back just on the heavy load racing, really. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll take back on the race and I'll maybe take a week off or 10 days of no running. Then I'll just start back into getting building the miles back up, building the base, maybe do a few cross-country races. That'll be it. Then the mountain season won't start fully until April, April May time. And what's one big race for next year then? World Championships in Argentina. Wow. And then yeah, the World Championships is the one global choice. It's, it's, it's never guaranteed because the trial race before it, and the people that time races get very the trial races are very competitive. So it's a case of first four with the liner going. That's brilliant. You know, so it's always you've always. You've always others to watch watch as well when you're racing, but yeah, whenever you sort of realise right next year I could be going to Argentina, you sort of think right, let's get going here. Let's put the head down and get the work done. Have you ever measured your heart rate? Do you wear a heart? I yeah, I do train with a heart rate. I don't race with it. I stopped racing with it because I just didn't one. I don't race once and I didn't have a strap on tight enough and I fell down around me and it just annoyed me. So I stopped wearing it in the race, but I do train with it. Uh, what does it what does it show you well it's, uh, it's I think I, I know because I know my, I know I can run my feel as well I sort of know when I'm going hard and mm. when I'm maybe not at my best but like yeah generally I haven't there's been only a couple of runs this year where I've said here this is a bit high for my liking it just means you get the ease back listen listen to it a bit more but like when you're racing, is it up around the 160 and 70 or is oh, it? Oh, about 200 plus. Is that right? Easy. <laughs> uh, the last race I done, I can't remember, in the sleeve down race the year I won it in 2017, I think it hit 208 that day. Jesus. But that wasn't even going up, that was coming down the mountain. It wasn't going up it. Well, coming up it, it didn't even hit my peak. I think it was coming down because I was on the limit coming down because it because I knew my descending wasn't as great as the others, I had to go that way a bit harder, whereas in the climb I could afford to sit back a bit. But coming down, yeah, that's... I can remember that too. Oh, wait, I think it hit. Jeez, that's something. But because I'm young as well, it's always going to be high. Yeah, but as well, my resting, I've never actually <laughs> measured my resting heart rate because... Just no book, no bother. What's the, have you had any real bad falls? The first year I ran the Sleeve Donard race coming off the Black Stairs, just when you come onto the Glen River Path again, I tripped over an extended dog lead. The dog ran across my path, and my, I just tripped clean over the lead. Jesus. And I cut the arm off myself, and I cut the knee off myself as well, and I've actually I've still got a bit of a scar there from it. Mm-hmm. I say that's the worst I've had yet. But in terms of, I've been generally 
try to be careful anyway. Just careful. I try to go hard, but I try not to go over the limit where I'm risking myself. Because then that's when he can lead the injuries, which you don't want. That's brilliant. So we'll wrap it up with that. Thanks very much for your time. Not a bother. I wish you, you all the best with the Worlds next year. Thank you very much. I think we're going to see quite a bit more of you over the next few years. I um, hope so. Let's hope luck. so. Thank Cheers. you, Robert. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Really enjoyed this podcast with Zach, a young talent with some superb aspirations. I haven't been off the mountain since listening to him last week. A real inspiration at such a young age. He really is one to watch for the future. Good luck to everyone running the Garmin Skyline this week. I've got my fingers and toes crossed for some good weather to grace the mountains. Hopefully I'll bump into a few of you on course. Until then, stay safe and keep on moving.